Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Collective. How's my audio on that one? I mean, a bit fadey. I think it just takes a touch to stabilize like uh, 10 or so seconds ish. Okay. okay, I'll uh, I'll give it a bit of a delay next time. See We're good now. It might also be with the new uh, no. mic. No? Okay, anyway. Besides the point, uh, while I'm trying to fiddle, figure out my audio and my issues here on my end, what you should be doing is hitting the like button, hitting the subscribe, and also the notification bell. That way you get a little email every day when we go live, which is you know helpful for those that don't know that we go live every day, I guess. Um, today, we have a very, I guess, special topic because I think it's very, it affects a lot of people in our community. I think in men in general, I think uh, we suffer from this quite regularly. And uh, I think it's something that we need to get into. So we're going to get into that in a second. But I do want to preface this a little bit in a none of us are doctors. (laughs) Steve's pretty close, but (laughs) not quite. Um, But none of us are doctors. So anything we do say anything we do come up with all of these tools or stuff that we talk about is going to be from our own experience and how it affects us and how we have adapted it for our lives. So take that uh if you are experiencing any any sort of breakdown or um you're having really difficulty getting really triggered about what we're talking about bounce go talk to a doc go talk to a friend go talk to somebody um engage the issue directly and then you can always come back but uh, don't try and like fight it to stay involved in the conversation this is recorded so you can watch it anytime you would like um any other prefaces or statements that you think we need to hit before we dive into this that was pretty solid. Uh, I would just say this, uh, speaking of doctors, there's probably a number of doctors out there that suffer more imposter syndrome than I do. And I suffer from imposter syndrome. And so uh, being a doctor doesn't make you immune to imposter syndrome. Uh, but ironically, it may make you more susceptible to imposter syndrome. Uh, so for when we're using the term doctor, you are probably referring to a psychiatrist or a therapist or some such thing, a a medical professional who has some deep background in mental health, we'll call it. But irrespective of doctors, there's enough content here between the six of us that uh, we can probably easily talk about imposter syndrome with enough meat and potatoes that it should be a good combo today. Yeah. I imagine like every day so far this month, we're just going to scratch the surface of this mm-hmm. and there's going to be probably days worth of information that we could get into, but we'll carry it on. So we do have, uh, we're going to go into imposter syndrome for sure today. I'm going to give a brief uh, definition of it and then we can discuss it from our perspectives and go from there. Um, right off the bat, let me just switch my camera here. Boom. So, imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomenon or imposterism, is a psychological condition in which people doubt their skills, talents, or accomplishments and have a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as frauds. Despite external evidence of their confidence, those experiencing this phenomenon do not believe they deserve their success or luck. Imposter syndrome disproportionately affects high-achieving people who find it difficult to accept their accomplishments and question whether they're deserving of accolades. Um, Yeah, so that is the start of it. Um, One of the things I heard very early on about imposter syndrome, because I've been dealing with it for many, many years, was 
it means you're in the right place. If you are feeling imposter syndrome, it means that you are pushing yourself out of your boundaries to a point that you are unsure of your capabilities to begin with. And that is where you should be. But that was just a, an initial preface on that. Any initial thoughts from the panel? Well, it, it can mean that. I mean, you 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 say that like it does mean it, but it can mean it that. It can. You're right. Absolutely. It, it that's not what it does mean. Thank because, you for the correction. Yeah, it, it can work in all kinds of ways. Of course, <clears throat> I'll start with this: that I do suffer from imposter syndrome. Uh, so I didn't know I had imposter syndrome until someone said, "Dude, you got a bit of imposter syndrome." I was like, "What's that?" Because I wasn't all, uh, I wasn't all dialed into all the uh, fun uh, new words of the day, you know, all of the all of the phrases that we're now being told we are, uh, and so I didn't know I was imposterish, um, but I am uh, for sure. I am. and I have, I've got a strong streak of imposter syndrome in me, and um, this is something that I've come to observe uh, since I was told that I have it uh, strongly. Um, I considered all of my friends from tier one. And as I considered all of them, and uh, I've talked to them uh, about this a little bit uh, to some degree, uh, we all, not all, we all, a lot of us demonstrated the symptoms of imposter syndrome to some degree or another. And I'm not going to say 100% or 97%. I'll just say a strong correlation syndrome within tier one uh, uh, roles. And so I found that to be the case in any high-performing, uh, we'll call it society or sub-society, taking 24-hour solo mountain bike racers as an example at the world championship level. Those high-performing athletes typically struggle with the sense of themselves as an imposter or not. Uh, so high flyers or high performers or people who are strongly in the mix do suffer from imposterism. And um, what I had to do for myself, and I, I struggle with it today. I struggle right now in front of this microphone to say the things that I say because I don't feel like I belong here. I feel like someone else should be here instead of me because Everyone can do a better job than I can in front of a microphone because I don't belong here. So what I have to tell myself when it comes to imposter syndrome is earn my seat, earn my place every day, earn my spot at the table every day. That's what I used to tell myself in tier one. Once you're there, that's, that's just the introduction to the party. But once you're at the party, you got to earn your spot every day at the party. And so that's how I treat my life is I doubt myself a fair bit but i earn my spot a fair bit i like that jeff yeah i was going to build on that i um kind of like sean i i it wasn't until this and then i looked up i went to like the good old internet and i found on uh like psychology today had a really good article i'm looking down at it that's why i look like i'm not paying attention and it talked about a lot of it comes just like sean was saying a lot of it comes from people that are uh, perfectionists and that will come with your tier one, like a lot of people that have our backgrounds, anybody, I would say a lot of guys like us, I know that sounds like pretty all encompassing cliche, but where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, but I think I found it very interesting that the, it's an ironic duality is we become our own worst critic, which is what's driven us to where we are. Guys like us drive us to where we are because we are perfectionists. 
but then for me, kind of like Sean, I wasn't, I was reading this and I was like, that's not me. That's not me. And I would actually take it back and say, this is a hundred percent something I would say I am dealing with. I guess the only thing I don't share is there's a lot of this common, um, diagnoses talk about how you're scared of being found out. So there, there's always like this, some of the definitions on, on like various, uh, journals and stuff have like that part of it. Like you're scared of being found out, which sounds like almost like a malicious imposter. Whereas I would say, I just feel like a, almost a self-imposed imposter. Kind of like Sean was saying is we're such high level perfectionists that we set ourselves up for great success. But then I would, I would say also left unchecked. That's where we get that imposter syndrome where we feel like we are never good enough. And then that's where this is easier said than done. I'm going to read it. It talks about like reflecting on your achievements reflecting on the things you've accomplished where guys like us, or at least myself, I don't want to speak for everybody. I'm the worst at that. I'm like, those, those things were good enough. I don't want to talk about those because that isn't success for me. I'm still striving for that. And I really found a very interesting nuance with the perfectionism aspect of that fuels the, the uh, imposter syndrome. I like that. Chad, Steve, Rob, any thoughts? What do you got? Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, you know, again, I always go back to the average Joe stuff. I, I always love when you hear guys, you know, like Jeff and, and Sean, that are these tier one guys, you know, coming out and expressing that they, they fight and they struggle with this stuff too, right? And that's what I've always kind of looked at is these guys have led on the battlefield. Now they're leading off the battlefield as well, right? With, with you know, earning the seat at the table, still talking that talk, still driving everything forward. And so the average Joe guys like me, that we failed them thousands of times over and over and over right you hear it from these top tier guys you're like okay like i get it man they're they're discussing some of this stuff too that affects them on their daily life and these guys are super high performers so if i can get out of the way of of my own stuff you know what's the limitations or how far can i push myself as an individual so i think everybody struggles with it but again you know you hear these guys out there like you know the david goggins and stuff as well that are really expressing this stuff at a high level and it's it's really waking up kind of if you want to your average joe's like myself to say no there's there's another level to life and you don't need to deal with this stuff so you know i i appreciate the the stuff that you guys are doing here with the the collective and bringing on different personalities and people from different you know from usa to canada all over just talking about this stuff so it's kind of nice to hear guys you know from all levels and walks of life saying hey we all struggle in some kind of format but let's collectively get together and talk about this stuff. So it's not such a pain in everyone's rear. hundred percent Rob. Yeah. I guess like for me. Thought. Yeah. So like, you know, I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring as the complete opposite of, of most of this panel. Uh, I don't come from a pedigree, never served, wasn't law enforcement. I just work corporate security and cybersecurity. Right. Uh, and for me, it was, it's my, my issues with imposter syndrome, really weren't driven by like this A-type personality. To, to be honest, I didn't have an A-type personality until later in life. Uh, and that's actually the key to, to you know, my experience with, with these, this effect. You know, for a big portion of my life, this is where I'll agree with you, Chance, uh, on your statement. In the right place, maybe not so much. I won't agree with that because it could be any place. Uh, I, I just considered that, you know, you have to care about what you're doing whether it's the right place and the right application of, of what you know, you actually have to care. For a very long time, I didn't. 
You know what I mean? So like there wasn't a day in that period of my life in my 20s where I woke up going, oh, man, am I in the right place? That was the reason why I was in a bad place is because I didn't care. I didn't ask those questions of myself. Now, the other portion of that is, is that my imposter syndrome really wasn't a an idea that, oh, I'm not performing well enough. It goes back to some, you know, long, long sort of um fermenting childhood issues with being told like you're never going to be good enough. So then, you know, you get to this place where you know you're awesome to some degree or hopefully you do. Right. Um, but there's still that little voice going, yeah, but you're still not good enough. So that's where the questions came from. It wasn't really the comparison between me and other people, although that that is a little bit of, a, of an effect that, that gets mixed in there. It was mostly going through this different transition of life from a period where I didn't give a crap about what I was doing or, or my sort of gifts to the world per se. Uh, and then this little childhood voice going like, yeah, you're, you're, you're not in the same place you were, but you're still trash. Right. So like, it's a conflict between those two personalities, I guess. I like that. Steve, you got some thoughts? Uh, yeah. Uh, great stuff guys. Really thoughtful. Um, hard to follow up, but I, I was pretty interested. Um, I, I, like you said, uh, Sean, you had a great point. You felt like an imposter before you knew what this was. Being a medic or like a close specialist at Dwyer Hill, as soon as you got there, it didn't matter how trained you were as a medic, how many lives you've saved, how many bandages you put on. Uh, you weren't a you weren't an assaulter. You were always a specialist. It didn't matter how hard you trained or, or what you did or how many times you jumped out of an airplane. You always felt like you know a level two specialist, and uh, it, you have to be confident in the job you're doing to to get past that. But the other thing is, I think it's fascinating how you can take one of the most important attributes for any good person, which is humility. And the fine line between imposter syndrome and humility is, it is, it's like razor thin between what's healthy razor thin. And, and humble and then what is unhealthy. Yeah, that it is, a, it's a, it is a great point. And it's very difficult to find that line. <clears throat> I do have just a couple comments I want to hit here because it's very important. Uh, first off, winter storm, later morning, everyone. Dr. C is in the house. Always good to see you. Says uh, our inner critic and our inner dialogue is important to understand where it came from and then challenge those maladaptive beliefs, which I think is a key part in this, is that most of the thought patterns that we come up with, or at least from my experience in terms of imposter syndrome, most of the stuff I came up with was through external comparison. I, I, it wasn't so much that I was looking at um, where I had come from and where I was. It was now, but I'm never going to be that guy, right? And so by the fact that I can't be that guy, I must not be correct where I am right now because I'm standing beside him. So even like I look at this panel and I look at, you know, tier one, tier one, Green Berets, the Rangers, uh, successful businessmen, they're like... <laughs> And I'm sitting here going, but I was only a combat engineer, right? And that external comparison immediately lays into my um, my sense of imposter syndrome. And the thing that has at least helped me was challenging those maladaptive beliefs in that you are all choosing to be here, right? I'm not tricking you all into, ha-ha, I've got you on my show, sneaky what? me, right? There's a way to get out of this, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, but and I got sucked in. You did. <laughs> I tricked you all. But no, the, the key is, is that other people have choices too. 
right? It's not just about me tricking you into it and it's all me doing, you know, uh, maladaptive things. No, we're all sitting here having a conversation and we're all here for our own benefit and for our, and for the benefit of those around us. And so that's what really helped me was challenging those maladaptive beliefs. I found that was really important. Yeah, this one. Yeah, this one for me, man. Sorry, I was thinking about this, like, you know, the last couple of days kind of deal. Um, and I, I figured it would be part of a, the later conversation. But Dr. C's hitting right on the head like this. This was the life changing moment for me in that feeling. OK, like yeah, that conversation in our head isn't logical. Right. And the, the proof is in that sort of process that Dr. C highlighted. Like, so for me, right. Like, is it that everybody's such a good detective? Like everybody around me is such a good detective that they're going to find the secret that I've been hiding from everybody. Okay. But at the same time, they're that big of an idiot that they let me still have my job or hang out with them or whatever. But the two things cannot be mutually inclusive you know, in a logical fashion, yet our brain tries to spin it that way. And that's like that in that, in that moment, you're, 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 because you're not thinking logically, those two things don't exist. All you focus on is this, everyone's such a better performer, better at their job title. They're all looking for all this evidence behind my back to prove that I'm, I'm not who I am kind of deal. Or is it that like, oh, these people also have a choice. Right. They're choosing to keep me hired. They're choosing to, to, to call me their best friend. They're choosing to depend on me. What is the what is the real truth? Right. And I, I had to learn in those moments of thinking that, oh, I'm worthless or whatever. Well, I'm, what am I saying? Am I saying that I'm worthless? Or am I also saying that this entire group of strangers is also worthless? And what's more probable? Right. In, in that moment. I like that. Anybody else got any thoughts? Yeah, I was going to. I wanted to build on that. He mentioned something earlier when you, you first started talking about um, external external factors. And there's something I found fascinating when it came to kind of the, I, I, whenever I just reference my experience, it's not like I think I'm like, oh, if you didn't do what I did, you don't you don't have a place at the table to use Sean's phrase. But for me, it was more I just use that as a reference point because that's just what I know. And it's it's very interesting in those worlds where those were in a vacuum. And I think that is what contained that perfectionism from ever transcending into this imposter syndrome, at least for me. And this sounds like old man, you know, hating on the internet and social media, but we get out for me, the big thing I'm realizing, and I think a lot of people to be need to become self-aware is uh, what are we comparing ourselves to? Because all we are is bombarded by quote unquote success stories. Whereas when I was in my little isolated green Beret 18 Delta world, my, reference point were my peers. I didn't get on the internet and look at some photoshopped fit rip guy ranger competition dude. I had no reference point to screw my my level of perfectionism up to a point where it was diluted. And living in that vacuum, I think is where that that fine line between perfectionism and uh I can't remember who mentioned uh, being humble. And that vacuum now that we're all out in the real world at least for like this is the veterans perspective for me that's what screwed me up is because now my reference point isn't this isolated bubble of tier one or tier two. Those were my left and right limits. Now the whole world's out there. So now us perfectionists don't really know our, our barometer anymore as far as like, what's our reference point? You know, what am I looking at? Am I looking at this successful businessman that owns a supplement company? Oh God. Okay. Now I'm looking over here when in reality, those things are kind of sometimes probably psychologically, you can bombarded with those quote unquote successful people. That is going to take the perfectionism people like us that were perfect in our little vacuums 
and it's going to use that it's that it now becomes a, our greatest strength and becomes our, our worst weakness. And I think that's a big thing, at least for me, uh, experiencing imposter syndrome is perspective in my refer in my, in who am I using as my barometer? Is it some Photoshopped life experience that I'm that I truly don't know what's going on behind the scenes of that person's life? Or am I using a fellow person that's in the same life circumstance? And I think when we are in our worlds, whether it was EMS or LEO or whatever it is, that should be your bubble, like not a bubble in an ignorant sense, but as far as a reference point, I think this we're, we're too connected in the world to the point where we, we kind of lose that perspective of, of what is a true reference point that we should actually hold ourselves up to a standard when we truly don't know what that standard is. I knew the standard. I had to do this to be an 18 Delta. Boom, done. Achieve that perfectionism. Sweet. But now we have the whole world to look at. And now it's on us to maintain that level of uh, realistic, realistic expectations which is a phrase I hate. <laughs> so I like that. You're, you're talking about layering a whole pile of white noise onto a life that had a careful calculated trajectory. Yeah. And so the, I, and that's tough, man, when you get out of a, um, a velocity that is, is a laser beam. Um, once, once you start looking at those extreme lefts and rights of the world that we're not familiar with, we'll call it the yeah. supplement king, the whatever, the laundry guy, whatever, <laughs> all of the stuff that's out there, all the white noise, which is exactly what it is. Yeah. It's our job to, and I'm not speaking to you, Jeff, I'm speaking to the entire internet. It's our job to uh, increase the focal range of that laser beam so that we're capturing enough left and right bandwidth of the areas that we yeah. want to pursue because we can't pursue the world. Yeah. It's too much white noise. There's too yeah. much static out there. But we do know that we can pursue anything that we put our mind to as long as we keep it under a tight enough focal beam yeah. that we can put crosshairs on it and go get it. You can't try to be a perfectionist at everything you everything. anymore. That's, right. that, that's not the thing. Whereas where we came from, you could be a perfectionist on a certain thing because that's all you had. And I love that. that that's a perfect way to say it, Sean, is like that laser focus is we hit a, we hit a dance ball now like a, or a disco ball with our laser in it. It's all over the place. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, and so the idea being that if you're, if you're looking to work with your imposter syndrome, there's ways to do that. But before we talk about ways to work with the imposter syndrome, I would just like to propose this before I jumped into this podcast, I was on my own uh, live IG potty. And uh, I was talking a little bit about imposter syndrome, knowing that we were going to be jumping into this conversation this morning. So I just did a little bit of preface for the folks that follow me over there. And so as I, as I was reading out some things, some stuff that I put together with the chat GPT 4.0 this morning, uh, it was, there was a phrase there, or a, a sentence there more correctly, that stated this, and I'm going to loosely uh, paraphrase it. When you're trying to overcome imposter syndrome, you can dot, dot, dot. And then it goes on with all of the things you can do. And I read that and I thought, what? What do you mean overcome? I'm not trying to overcome it, bro. I don't need to overcome it. What I am doing with it is using it as a freaking scalpel. I'm using it as a tool to my benefit. I know that I am it, so I might as well use it. And it's taken me a while to learn how to use the quote-unquote flaw of being uh, an imposter 
syndrome within my own little world. I have used it now as a tool, now that I know how to use it properly, to engage in life so that not that it's causing me to see more success, it's causing me to feel more at ease with my process. So I'm not looking to overcome it. I'm looking to use it. And I hope that makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. Chad, hey, you're reframing, right? Yeah, um, could I? That's yeah, uh, reframing. Ref, that? Sorry, reframing is a cool word that is an entire life. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. So the, the reframing word gets thrown out like super casually. So you're reframing the sentence. Yes, I am. But that reframing is is a massive uh, trajectory shift, not just a simple little uh, tweak. You well, know it's, what I mean? it's in how you're applying it, right? Like, yeah, the, the word reframing, it's the the new psych sort of term. It is. For, for like yeah. in, in social That's work why and all I'm that, right? Back. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, good pushback, right? Because you, you said the important part, like, we can change how we look at a certain idea, but if we don't apply it, then we're what's the word changed for, right? Like it's still a obstacle to overcome for you if you if you don't actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steve? Yeah, I I was like looking at this whole um uh just this imposter thing in general. I, I kind of looked at it and reading about it and just thinking about it. I like to embrace my imposter syndrome because when I don't feel adequate enough, that drives me to work harder. That drives me to train harder. If I have a bad day on the range or, uh, you know, even with the fire department, if we have a call that goes kind of a way we didn't like it, that just makes me want to be better. I, I kind of like the idea of always wanting to improve. I'm never comfortable with my capability. I want to be better. Um, and that's kind of uh, helped to get where I am in life. Uh, it's not healthy sometimes. But a lot of times it's what drives you to to move forward. And one of the things that I thought was very weird just in the research I was doing, but I don't know if you gentlemen came across it, that uh, constructive criticism was something that people with imposter syndrome are unable to handle. And I actually felt that was the exact opposite. That's the opposite. Because constructive criticism is also what helps you to drive to be better. If you want to be better, you're always looking for constructive criticism. I don't like doing AARs that have positive points. Tell me what I did wrong and we'll fix those. Dude, are you me? You're in my brain right now. <laughs> Basically. Chad, you got any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I can break it down. I mean, just for, for me with, you know, the stuff we've talked about before, but, you know, looking at, you know, all you jiu-jitsu guys, right? Like you guys are in the, you're always rolling and it's something I want to get back into, but then I've got to realize like I'm not there right now at that point. I've got other things going on, launching the business, you know, I'm learning how to play guitar because it's something I've always wanted to do. I'm learning to be a better golfer. So it's, it's like, I've got to look at things in, in those contexts, you know, like the jujitsu thing is something I want to do, but I'm trying to master all these other things. So I'm learning to kind of piece things together and not throw everything on the, on the plate, you know, and not compare the, the self to, to everybody else as, we, as we've talked about, but using again, that imposter syndrome to, to drive forward more positivity and, and more growth is who I am as a human being and just being a good dad, father, human all around. So. I like that. I think the uh, one of the things that I, I, I at least catching in my head here is the fact that <clears throat> this seems to be, and it happens to me a lot when I'm doing something that I'm maybe unsure of. But if I'm doing something that I really enjoy, like jujitsu, I'm seeking out that constructive criticism, right? <laughs> when when I'm doing something that I'm like invested in and i want to be better and that is like my drive is to be awesome at this 
I don't really have issues with imposter syndrome. I know that like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not very good. Let's freaking let's get better. And you, you can use it to drive yourself forward with that. <clears throat> and I noticed at least again, for me was the fact that when I was doing something that I wasn't, um, I can't say enjoying, but maybe over invested in right that I, I should be better. I'm not actually seeing what is happening right now. I'm, um, looking five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, a year into the future, rather than where I'm at right now. And I think that was uh, a struggle for me for quite a while was, you know, I, when we first, when I first started getting into advocacy, I'll put it that way, right after I got out of the army and I was trying to figure out how to do it better for the veteran community. And I was diving into everything I possibly could. I'm going to help here. And I'm going to help here. And I'm going to help here. And the imposter syndrome started to kick in. A, because I was overfilling my plate, <laughs> as you said, Chad. But on top of that, I was engaging in things less out of desire to be better in those things, but as a desire just to be involved, if that makes sense. Well, you set yourself up for imposter failure. Uh, yes. Or you set yourself up to be an imposter because yes. you were jumping into all kinds of things that you had no experience in per se, we'll say that you weren't a subject matter expert for sure. And so you're entering in trying to be an SME, but not an SME. And that's, that's challenging. And so now to use your example as the BJJ uh, scenario. <clears throat> so you just got your purple belt and you've just recently started instructing. And so you're pursuing your excellence in BJJ and you're excited about it and then that all that good stuff. And that's great. And you might not be experiencing too much imposter syndrome right now, because you're kind of new to the game and I'm going to, I'm, I'm saying that carefully because I'm going to contextualize that against a guy who has been in the game and is now a black belt in BJJ and runs a club as the mm -hmm. head instructor. And he's got all the weight of the world in his own mind on his shoulders. And he feels like he doesn't deserve to be there. He feels like he doesn't know how to teach. He feels like why are students even showing up? which is a very different situation than the one that, you know, Chance Burroughs is in uh, as mm -hmm. the example. For sure. And so the imposter syndrome using the BJJ mats as the example may show up or it may not show up depending on what your role is on the mats, how much quote unquote weight of the world you're carrying on your shoulders. But I think most important of all, it's the, the stressor of, are you responsible just for you? Or are you responsible for more than just you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a great point. You guys got any thoughts on that? I guess I'll just touch on the the comment that was made about uh, constructive criticism because I think it's it's sort of dead on, uh, and I can use my particular circumstance and how it affected me. So yeah, again, I'm going to go back to that point. Like I, I had a lot of self esteem, self confidence issues, right? Um, that's the moment in time of my life where like constructive criticism sucked because it wasn't from a place where like, Hey, Rob's trying to actually become the best he can be on this trajectory of the, the Dunning Kruger curve. You know what I mean? Um, where like, I knew I didn't know anything and, and I wanted to cheat. I wanted to use the old game genie. And that is, Hey, if you're experienced, you tell me what I'm doing wrong. Cause I obviously don't have enough experience to know that. And thus, you know, growing in whatever craft. The moment I hit a point in time in my life where I had the emotional and intellectual maturity to have a different perspective on that entire 
sort of uh, learning, I guess, system, <laughs> right? Like fall in your face, learn something new, grow a little bit, fall in your face again, and, and you know, have people around there to tell you from a good place that constructive criticism, what you did wrong, how to, how to make it better next time. Until that happened, I, any criticism, but especially for some reason, especially constructive criticism, because it was like this nice form of criticism that you couldn't like turn back on the other person and say, Hey, you're just a jerk. You know what I mean? Like it was actually someone legitimately trying to help you, but for some reason that cut the deepest, you know, mm. but it was not because it was not, not good advice. Not because it wasn't the right thing to do, it was because I personally hadn't hadn't grown up enough to 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 view it for what it was, which is someone cares enough about me, and that's the important part. Like constructive criticism, another person's putting effort into you. If you weren't worth it, they wouldn't give it to you. Period. Right. That's a great point. And Jeff, yeah, I was going to say something. It's kind of the uh, I'll be more a little less little less optimistic in the sense of maybe just being like truthful as far as like when you're. I guess in the deep, dark, negative part of the imposter syndrome, when it comes to people mentioned constructive criticism a handful of times, and you guys have mentioned it in an optimistic light, which is obviously the ideal. But I would also say, and obviously I'm speaking, I'm, I'm you know, about me, I'm not talking about my friend. Um, when you're in that, that perfectionism black hole, you won't hear constructive criticism because they'll say it. And you're like, I know it wasn't perfect. I got it. I already knew that. And then that's where that down, that's where that negative feedback loop happens. Uh, Sean said something about you're a negative. I can't read, really, said something to you, Chance, about um, it's a negative SME or something like that. I can't remember what he said. Oh, right. Like uh, I'm a SME, but I, I'm trying to be a SME, but I'm not actually a SME. Yeah. So when you're in that hor horse blinder negative perfectionism work, and that's where I think imposter syndrome is at its darkest is you don't need to hear, you won't hear constructive criticism. You won't hear negative criticism. You won't hear anything because you've set yourself up to this fake standard that might not even be real or something that you can actually actualize. And that's where I think the clinical or chatty psychological breakdown has to happen where you got to dig yourself out of that to acknowledge the imposter syndrome, acknowledge that it's actually everything that you're doing. Cause a lot of people talk about how sometimes this is actually a good thing. It drives us and gets us to good, good places. But the flip side of all this is those horse blinder, negative, um, perfectionism levels. Like I literally have a binder right here. This is horribly unhealthy. <laughs> I have a binder right here. I took the time to write this out, print it out and put it in the, the clear thing of this binder I have had since probably for over 15 years. And it says if perfectionism can be achieved, it can be, if, if perfectionism can be perceived, it can be achieved. It's horribly unhealthy. Like that, that sets yourself up for constant failure and constant, not listening to those helpful people taking time out of the day to give you that constructive, criti constructive criticism. So I think that's what brings all us to this conversation today into this month is taking that one combat pause to realize this crap isn't working for me or identifying it in a friend or a brother or a sister or whatever and saying, finding that way, because that's to me, this is really depressing. I don't mean it to be, but that's kind of the dark side of it is, is those people will not listen. Those people, but ironically become your top tier, <laughs> sometimes your top tier operators, top tier brain surgeons, like sometimes top tier athletes. They're so that level that they're great in their one laser field to use Sean's metaphor, but they can't put that laser anywhere else or take criticism at all. And it's a weird duality in that they can be so perfect at this one thing, but it will cause complete destruction in everything else. And so 
that awareness, conversations like this, people that care about that other person, those are the things that need to break through that a little bit because that's a lifetime of perfectionism. It just can't be upheld. You've got a binder called perfectionism and that binder of perfectionism is freaking awesome in my books. <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't be a bigger fan right now. <laughs> and, and here's why, because at least you've got a direction on your trajectory, which is True. missing in a lot of people's lives. Now well, that that's... direction that you set up for yourself, that's, that's just a guide. It doesn't mean that it is the end state that you absolutely have to achieve. It's a guide. Right. And that's the, and that's the healthy, and I'm not just kissing Sean's, but like, that's the way it needs to be. I need to be better at, and other people should be better at. I'm just saying, I know I'm guilty of, and I definitely can smell my own kind when anything that's less than that target is failure. That the, the, this, this black and white duality of no gray area. That's the thing where like that, I would say I'm guilty of like, if it doesn't go exactly the way I envision it, my little manifest this bullcrap in the universe stuff it is a failure and that's where that that imposter syndrome and that perfectionism thing just create this downward spiral whereas sean has the, a good way to look, take that perfectionism and use it as a strength that has flexibility versus a strength that has such rigidity anything per uh, anything other than perfect it fractures yeah and and the the good news is that I'm actually not that bright, I guess, because if I figured it out, I think most people can. And so, and by sure. figured it out, I don't mean I've figured out the whole thing. What I figured out is a tiny bit of the imposter syndrome in respect to me and how yeah. I use it to drive me forward to what I will loosely um, uh, call success in my yeah. own mind. The things that please me, the things that I'm amused by, the things that I want to accomplish. And so imposter syndrome with your binder, all of those failures, all of those non-perfect outcomes. I'm like right now, bro, I'm just shrugging my shoulders thinking freaking awesome. He's got a binder that's mega. <laughs> He's had a bunch of failures. That's mega. I mean, we could wrap it up and you're like the king of the hill right now. You know what I'm saying? I don't saying? know. I need you to just be my little shoulder angel, Sean, and just walk around. <laughs> I got to get you a little papoose on my back and just walk around with you like the guy on Alien You wouldn't 3. want it because then I'm talking in your other ear, so that wouldn't be good either. <laughs> yeah. and, and really, you would find that awkward. <laughs> if you want, if you want uh, to have someone on your shoulder every day, Sean would be the person to do it until you start not doing it's it right. Not. And then uh, you're going to get told and get chirped at constructively I mean, <laughs> that clip that that papoose and I'm aren't we drop. supposed to do that though i mean i yes. want people to do it for me like if if i've got if my imposter syndrome syndrome is raging out of control whatever that means uh then i expect my friends who know me and who are squared away to say hey bro it's raging out of control dial it back check and so it's my job to do the best that I can, but it's the job of the people around me to help me do the best job that I can. And again, with chat GPT stating that in order to overcome imposter syndrome, you have to dot, dot, dot. I just don't want to overcome it. I want to manage it. I want to shape it. I want to use it as a tool. I think the, uh, the biggest difference right now, Sean, between what you're saying and <clears throat> Um, perhaps some of the people that are feeling when it says to overcome it is that acceptance to say check and then dial it back 
Mm-hmm. And that's the big part is that you've already accepted that at any point, if someone gives you constructive criticism, you're going to be like, Rod, oh yeah, good. Okay. And then enact on it. And a lot of people haven't learned that skill or haven't reached uh, to uh, Rob's point, haven't reached the level of maturity to actually say, oh man, these people actually care about me. I need to do better. That kind well, of to Steve's point, I think part of the imposter syndrome and how to have these kind of conversations, it comes down to, well, what kind of a life have you lived or who is it that you've been hanging around with or how did you get raised up in a institution or a system? Like for Steve and I, I will say that, and I can't speak directly for Steve, but I think it's fair to assume that in the system that we were in, feedback was direct, concise, to the point, and it wasn't emotional. It wasn't delivered to you to make you upset or to make you happy. It was just these are the things that happened. These are the things that we're going to address. This is the path forward. And so in my career, I never sat down in any room and had a kumbaya moment so strong that uh, I felt like, wow, everything's going to be okay. What I did have a million of was this, Roger that, I'll get on with it. That's how I was taught. That's That was my education on this subject. And so there's lots of people out there that weren't privy or were not privileged enough to have lived the career that I lived in the military and got used to that form of direct, concise delivery. That's what I appreciate the most now. That's what I want everyone to do with me when I need feedback, but not everyone does. So, you know, it's our job to figure out how constructive criticism is supposed to work for us. And if, if it feels too constructive, uh, then, you know, figure out a way to get the other person to dial it back. You've got to learn yourself in order to improve yourself. Yeah. Steve, you got anything to add to that? Sorry guys, just with mute, uh, bit of a rowdy puppy, but uh, no, that's all, all well said. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, I have a couple comments here. Anybody else got any thoughts on what we just went over? I wanted to hit. Or... No, the only thing I'll, I'll agree with you on there, Chance, is it, it is that acceptance. You've heard me say that before, but back to Jeff's point, that whole going into the black, right? Like that dark area, that acceptance is that, oh, I might be at, at the, the, the wrong hand of, of imposter syndrome. It's not the acceptance that, oh, I'm a huge imposter, right? And going and and choosing to go into that that area, right? And yeah. we can say that about all these mental health topics, right? Like going into the black is not where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And it starts with that first choice. Like, am I actually this thing or is my mind playing a trick on me, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so a couple quick comments. Wanted to hit uh, Jason. Good to see you. Alex, good to see you also. Uh, Glenn. Always good to see your brother. He says, being rolled back. So <clears throat> coming from, he uh, he got rolled back in a course load saying, got, uh, being rolled back into my own, fed into my own imposter syndrome. What helped was acknowledging the truth behind it and going on the offensive and slowly but surely working towards making those my strengths. And I think that's the same kind of mindset that you're talking about, Sean. Uh, and Steve is that, you and well, I mean, basically what we're all talking about, you have to acknowledge what's actually being said. You go, okay and then work on it. 
Okay, so, and just because we've got Glenn up, I'm sure he won't mind uh, me saying this. Yeah, it's it's our job to get right with the moment and and figure out how to move forward. And sometimes we can't all by ourselves. Sometimes mm -hmm. we need to lean on some friends. And Glenn may or may not have reached out to some of us and said, hey, boys, this is what's happening. How do I do it better? Dot, dot, dot. And so those conversations were had over several weeks. Glenn got to work, did it better. Now he's crushing. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure he could have done that in an isolated room all by himself with no input. And so it was his job to reach out. And if he hadn't have reached out, it was our job to reach in. But either way, someone's got to reach and someone's got to sit down and get better at what they're trying to get better at. And it's once it's a combined effort, that can happen. So if you're struggling all by yourself, figure out a, a way to struggle uh, with some support. 100%. I mean, that, that, and if at the very least, join us here, have these conversations with us, like at, at the very least, if you don't think you have someone that you can reach out to, to talk to, this is why we're talking about it, right? So you can comment, you can enjoy, you can get involved or you can just watch and listen. And that's, that's a step forward at least. Uh, any other thoughts on that? Good to go. Yeah, Chance, could I weigh in with one thing? Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, um, I know we have two of our, our brothers here from the U.S., and uh, things might be a little different for them, but uh, I'm sure you know, gentlemen, that Afghanistan was a very uh, a huge event for the Canadian military, and mm -hmm. my experience as a veteran pretty much stems from that, even though those, those tours were in, uh, like, 2008 through 2010. But uh, we started touching on like third parties playing into our, our own internal struggles with with imposter syndrome. So I guess like an, an external influence. And, and one thing that I found, especially in the veteran community, I wanted to touch on being a veteran. It's easy to talk about um, being in the this amazing team environment that is uh, the special forces. But just when it got down to the Afghan veteran community in Canada, we... I think we do a really bad job of contributing to our brothers and sisters mental health um especially with this imposter syndrome thing where we had a term that um was like inside the wire and outside the wire and, and somehow your mission or your contribution to the country was different based on whether you were outside the wire or inside the wire and that's even one of those things you know i mentioned earlier that i was not an assaulter or an s1 but i was a medic I meet a lot of Afghan vets who are like, as soon as they say they're an Afghan vet, they have to say whether they were inside or outside the wire. When I think that that community needs to go collectively accepting of just the fact that you volunteered to go on that mission uh, a whole bunch of times. Uh, this imposter syndrome is not just an internal thing. We can add to uh, people's... Um, mental health by the by the things we say and do and, and i think that the afghan veteran community needs to get better at that we i, I never had a, a world war ii vet compare his combat to my combat and, and i don't understand why we do that to each other in the afghan veteran community and i, I think that uh, we we have to be aware of what we're saying to other people uh, disparaging their conf their uh, contributions or or what they did as part of that mission so yeah I 100% agree. I think that's a veteran community across the board. <laughs> it's not just Canadian or American. I've talked to Brits. I've talked to Kiwis. I've talked to Aussies. Across the board, we need to do better at it. Uh, any other thoughts on that? 
Yes, I do. I'll, I'll, Steve, <clears throat> question for you, because I've, I've seen this myself, but I, I know we're talking about imposter syndrome, but what would you in a brief moment state could improve things? Well, how would you improve things? Well, the, first of all, just the concept of service, it, it even goes a little bit further back than that, where sometimes in, in that Afghan veteran community, we disparage other missions, which starts with, you know, you didn't go to Afghanistan, you didn't go through what I went right. through, therefore your service is not the same as my service. I think it goes right back down to having the exact same respect for somebody who volunteers to serve the country. And I think that works with firefighters, cops, EMS. The fact that you're willing to serve is the important thing, not what happens during that service, because that's just part of being the cogs of history. It's just timing. You know, and you're, you are where you are when things happen. Uh, and I think it just needs to go right back to that general respect for contribution and willingness to serve. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I think um, a lot of one of the reasons why I push so hard on the veteran title is because it's all encompassing, right? You, once you sign up and you complete basic training, doesn't matter what happens from there. You're a veteran. And that's the way it is. It doesn't matter whether you are a cook, whether you are a tier one assaulter, you signed up to serve the country and you did. In my mind, that's what I've been, I've thought for many, many years. Uh, Jeff, you had a thought? Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's, that's a wonderful observation as far as we can bring all this imposter syndrome on ourselves. And I, I hadn't thought of it and I completely agree about it, that outwardly there's this weird standard when it comes to we're using the, the reference of like, oh, I was a combat vet, I was in the wire, I was outside the wire, I was a radiology technician in the, in the army, whatever. So there's all these outside people setting this weird standard. And I highly agree with that is like, we're, we're hard enough on ourselves. So A, we need to not let that outside, the, the bad juju from outside setting up these weird standards bombard us. And then those people also need to have the self-awareness that they're doing, they're feeding that same fire. And then I'll add to it is, I think it's safe to say <clears throat> the industry I went to after the military is pretty much the social experiment polar opposite of being in the military <laughs> as far as everything you name it, everything's the opposite. And I've experienced it and I see it. It's a weird to, to, to add onto that comment of outside forces is for some reason, there's this absurd standard of the, and it goes back to my little social media. There's this expectation. If you're not, the rock or Goggins or whatever, you're a failed seal or you're a failed actor or whatever, where there's this weird standard out there that if you're not number one, you must be a failure. Like where's the, where, why is it this, this yes or no switch and that outside stuff, whether it's in the veteran community, in the little Hollywood community bullshit or any, or at a business or whatever, there's this weird thing of, of, because all we see are those successes or all we see, all we hear about are the combat vets. We don't hear about the radio radiology technician. So for some reason that becomes this outward standard. And I completely love that point that we need to, our own inner voice can go black just on its own. We don't need more help. And so we need to be aware of those outside forces that are, that have this weird extreme yes or no success. It's like this ones and zeros. Apparently there's no in between. And hearing that and fighting it is huge. And I love that point to, to add to that. You're either first or you're last. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. The joke uh, itself, it feeds that, you know, it really does. It's, it's, it, and yeah. it does. And, and I subscribe to that. You're right. Well, you're either the, the winner or you're not. 
I do subscribe to that. And I've spoken about this in the past just recently, that one of the things I feel is going a little sideways in society right now is instead of focusing on there's only one winner and there's a bunch of other people who didn't win, what we've done is flip-flopped it and everyone's a winner. You yeah, stand see, on I the hate, start I line, you've you. already won. Yes. You can stand on the start line and see your medals at the end of the 100-meter dash and you're already mentally picking out one of the 20 medals that are on the table that all say first place for all the 20 people standing on the start line. That's the way it is. People have forgotten how to win. People have forgotten how to lose. We need to remember how to do that again. And if you place third out of 33 runners and you did your best, you're a freaking winner in my books, baby. But if you play third out of 33rd and you half-assed it, you're a loser in my books, baby. That's what I tell all my athletes. That's what I've that's been my stance forever. And that's we the need great to learn hybrid. how to win. We need to learn how to lose. We need to evaluate our win or loss based on how much we got after it, not after whatever your your race number is that you come across the line. Mm. With that out of the way, I'll say this, that imposter syndrome is, is a thing that veterans face a lot of, I've found, because they come out of the military, and no matter how large and in charge they were in whatever role within the military, while they were in, they had confidence, they had skills, they had blah, blah, blah. They had all of the stuff to feel like they could take care of business to some degree. But once they step out, that first step onto the civilian sidewalk and look around and don't have anything to rely on, lean on, to figure out that I, I, I deserve a seat at this table as of today, that's a really uncomfortable position. But I've said this to many a veteran, and I feel it's really important to say in this conversation, you've already got all the skills, all the tools, all the abilities to be a freaking astronaut if you want. You just got to work as hard as you worked in the past and you'll become what you want to become. As a veteran, I was taught how to do literally anything I want in the world, become anything I wanted to be. Then it's my job to go do those things with the things that I was taught how to do. And if I let myself down, well, that's the imposter syndrome kicking in, baby. Uh, but I try not to let myself down. I try to stay focused and I try to rely on the things that I was taught as a young soldier. Now as a veteran, I'm implementing them and seeing success. So for all the veterans out there who have just got out, who have been out for a while, who are thinking about getting out, don't sweat it. You'll be all right. Just trust in all the things that you were taught. And if you find yourself on day two standing on the sidewalk thinking, I don't belong here, I don't deserve a seat at the table, reach out to some of us. We'll help you out. 100%. Uh, any other thoughts on that? Chad, you've been kind of quiet for a little while. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it plays in real well with with everything that we're talking about. You know, when I was when I was in battalion, right, we create that hierarchy. You know, it's you you got the airborne guys and then you got the legs, right? And then now you got the airborne and then you got the, the combat vet and then you got the veterans. So we do it to ourselves, right? Because mm -hmm. I hid from my service quite a bit, right? I never really talked about it. Um, the fact that I burnt in on a night jump, right? And then got booted from battalion for being a, a turd, essentially, and then being a leg. You know, at that point, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm never going to get back to where I want to be. I'm not going to get to the tip of the spear and just play the whole woes me game for, 
you know, 20 plus years. And I know there's millions of veterans and that's why, you know, the company's mental Joe, it's for the GI Joes and it's for the average Joes. It's for those average Joes that continually to fail, but they don't know, or they don't have the skill set or the emotional intelligence to say, stop, you know, I had it in me at one time. What do I got to do to get this geared up? How do I get rid of this imposter system or use it as, as a way to cattle prod you forward? You know, and so being around gentlemen like yourselves and, and sitting back and listening to this, it's, it's an education for me, right? Because now I can be like, okay, I see where these guys are driving. If I'm going to be part of this boat, I've got to level up my, my my damn self, right? So there's there's a lot of that stuff that I that I personally hit from from years because I I just I didn't want to talk about it because I I thought it was such a failure because I didn't hit that pinnacle that I wanted to hit, right? Mm-hmm. And the, these uh, these conversations are really important. I've said this before on uh, the podcast many times, but I do want to hit on it right now is the fact that uh, my grandfather, World War II veteran, uh, volunteered to to go overseas, volunteered to be an engineer, did all the training, went to uh, Europe, got uh, was working in Europe, uh, rebuilding the railroads, hugely important job to get supplies everywhere, right? If people aren't doing that, Troops can't fight. So extremely important. Um, he thought himself a coward for 70 plus years, <laughs> right up until basically the day he died. He thought himself a coward because at one point during the war, somebody called for volunteers to head towards the front. He didn't put his hand up. That's it. That For that one action for 70 years and i think that that it goes into say that like it's very easy to let ourselves focus on those types of things and that type of mentality of just as you said it chad woe is me right i screwed up i screwed up i and you could do it for your whole life if you wanted to and it's not until you actually make a choice it's not until you actually decide to I need information. Somebody else has to talk. I need to reach out. I need to talk to somebody else about it. You can sit in that black hole. You can, or you can also not. <laughs> now we're, uh, we're just about at time here. I do want to hit a couple things really quickly and then I'll do some final thoughts. Um, it's, but thank you guys for the conversation. This has been fantastic. <laughs> just, just awesome. Uh, Dr. C kicks back with imposter syndrome is on a continuum. Everyone has different degrees. Many times part of our inner criticism can stem from very critical parents as well. Jeff is right. Awareness of that voice is so important. Um, Glenn kicks back in. Also, 100%, I gave myself a 12-hour pity party. Sat with it and reached out to the Council of Elders. Right, Each person slash conversation helped reorient myself in the moment and the weeks that followed. Right, Pity party? Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. I mean, my granddad did it for 70 years. <laughs> it can be uh it can be a small little pity party of five ten minutes of like oh man that sucked okay and on you go otherwise uh it goes back to the continuum portion and then the last one here uh talking to horses uh jason i didn't fit into many groups so i created an adaptive process of acting like a chameleon like i found out that i could fake it really well in order to blend in where i felt completely out I feel the same way <laughs> or I felt the same way for many years. Uh, not, sh 
that would be a whole nother conversation. So we're not going to get too deep in that one. I'm going to save that for later and we're going to discuss it uh, another time. Let's go down and get some final thoughts. Chad, I'm going to put you on the fire first. What do you got? No, like you said earlier, you know, I think it's, it's great. You know I mean? From the social media aspect, I think you can really narrow in on who you need to follow and who you need to listen to, to, to grow yourself in it as an individual. And I think this collective live that you guys do daily is such a huge tool for those people that kind of plug into it to hear from different aspects of life and people that have been, you know, tip of the spear to folks that have not served, but still struggle with this as well to, you know, your, your, your guys that have failed like me thousands and thousands of times and just kept doing it because like, we couldn't get out our own ways and thought processes. So again, I, I appreciate you guys more than you know, cause it holds me to a different standard. So appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff, final thoughts? Yeah, I'll go with um, kind of piggyback a little bit off what Sean was saying is I think the best way when he was talking about there's winners and losers I think everything we talked about, there's a, a hybrid of all this is to take those per- things that make us perfectionists, that strive us to avoid complacency, that strive to make us better people, to avoid the mundane. I mean, if that's the life you want, you're happy with it, great. But if you're trying to achieve those things, finding that sweet spot of that self-awareness versus that self-deprecating downward spiral imposter syndrome self-talk, that's that sweet spot. That is, even as Sean was talking, I was like, I need to do that better. I need to go. I've always been the, if you ain't first, your last guy, which is fine. But I always translated that to failure. If I'm not first, I failed. Even if I put 120% and got second, I'm like, I failed. And finding that sweet spot of like, not everybody gets a trophy. I agree with that. That's that, that creates complacency in, in all of society. So finding that sweet spot to be that perfectionist, be that person that avoids the mundane and, and hybriding it to make a, make a word up. And, and and focusing on shoot for first have a clear conscience if you don't make it but you're not a failure and you're not an imposter if you didn't pull it off and and all i think all that has a, a foundation of self-awareness and having that 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 uh honest talk with yourself about are you using all these skills for good or evil <laughs> i like it uh rob final thoughts yeah i mean I'll, I'll just sort of agree with all the points that are currently being made because I think they're perfect. I, I will tie it back just to those two comments that we that you you last showed their chance, right? So that idea of the pity party it comes down to perspective, right, and a self awareness of what where you are in that phase. Like a pity party's fine up until the moment becomes the most comfortable choice, right? Um, and same with being a chameleon. Like there are a lot of benefits to be able to like roll with the punches and fit in with the crowd as long as it doesn't turn into, you know, the Dunning-Kruger of, oh, because I can roll with these guys because I can talk the talk does not, you know, if I'm now the, the, the rocket surgeon uh, when I'm really not, that also becomes a problem, right? So like perspective and self-awareness of how to regulate these things and to all, all the entire panel's point directing it towards positive growth and change for yourself and not into some downward spiral of going into the black 10 degree. Right. I like it. Steve. No, there's nothing to add to that. What uh, those last three gentlemen just said, just replay that over one more time so we can all get that <laughs> wisdom again. Well, well said guys. All right, Sean. Yeah, I don't have anything more to add. It's been a really good conversation. I wish we had another hour to build it out some more, of course. To Steve's point, the last three comments were right on point. But I know if we had another hour, 
we would have a whole bunch more right on points. So don't think for a moment, anyone who's listening to this, that we've cracked this one out of the park with all of the solutions, because we haven't. But there's enough here today. If you take some time to think about it, maybe scribble a few notes down on a piece of paper, think about it a bit more. If you've got any questions or comments, shoot them to chance. We can cover them in the future. Absolutely. Be happy to touch on this subject again. Yeah. The, uh, this month, especially because, you know, it is men's mental health month and we are diving into these things every day. Absolutely. If y'all got questions, send them my way. I can put them up and we can actually just, and we can discuss them on the panel. I can't thank you guys enough, man. I really enjoy the conversation. I think we hit a lot of solid, actionable things that people can take take home in order to better themselves, better each other, and better the world around them. I just I think it's fantastic. So as we learn about imposter syndrome, we can then build our own self-image and we can grow into what we're capable of. So we'll see you all tomorrow here on The Collective. Chimo. Chibo. Chibo.